Good morning. I'm Darrell Gunter, your host for leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM. Today, we're very fortunate and pleased to have in our studio guests two gentlemen who have a wealth of experience, Mr. Hal J. Snyder and Mr. Richard T. Pryor, who I will call Richard Dick. And they are authors of It Isn't Difficult to Be Outstanding. I tell you, I have read this book three or four times, and it's the best 82 pages you'll ever find on what it takes to be an outstanding, not only outstanding sales professional, but to be an outstanding professional. Gentlemen, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Doral. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Enjoyed it, and we'll uh, see how we go forward here. Absolutely. So, Hal and Dick, if you can, can you first share with our audience, just give us, you know, a little bit about your background and your experience, because you gentlemen have a wealth of experience, knowledge, and wisdom. If you'd like it to be uh, humorous, I can Please. go first. Um, I um, grew up in in uh, East New York and Brooklyn and Jamaica, Queens. And um, when I graduated from high school, uh, my folks, I had two older brothers and uh, neither of them had gone to college. But my mom and dad said, if you want to go to college, we'll cover the cost of that. So I said, great. I thought I wanted to be an accountant. And so I went to um, St. John's University in Brooklyn. And the only course that I flunked was accounting. And so I said, that's a signal. I think uh, <laughs> it's time for me to take a break. And so I, I said to the folks, thank you so much. I think I'm going into the Air Force and spent four years running a sports program and a radar site in Germany. Um, then came back and took my, psych my degree in psychology while working at St. Vincent's Psychiatric Unit in Greenwich Village. And uh, uh, when I graduated, I was not the greatest student in the world. Um, but at that time, when you interviewed for jobs, people would say, straight A average? And I would say, no, if you'd go down a couple of notches. I said, I'll qualify. They said, interestingly enough, we don't have any jobs available right now. And so I was engaged to uh, my wife now of 52 years. And her father used to say, did he get a job yet? Did he get a job yet? And she said, no, not, not yet, not yet. So I called my mother and I explained the situation. She said, I'm going to talk to a friend of mine. And she came back and said, you have to go into banking. And I said, that's what I flunked when I went to college the first time. She said, that's okay, go into banking. So I interviewed with a man who's passed for many, many years already who said uh, at Bankers Trust Company in New York when they existed, he said, why should I hire you? Um, you flunked accounting. You have a degree in psychology. I said, well, sir, and he was about three or four years younger than I. I said, well, so if I've done my homework correctly, I understand that the major banks in New York City have intramural sports programs. They have tennis teams that play one another, basketball teams that play one another. 
And I said, I don't know if you need a manager for your intramurals, but if you have a schizophrenic who's playing forward on your basketball team, I'm your guy. <laughs> and he said, you're crazy. I said, no, I'm in dire need of a job. He said, I don't know why I'm doing this, but can you start on Monday? <laughs> and I said, yes, I can. I said, what am I going to do? He said, you're going to be a general cage clerk. I had no clue, Darrell, what that meant. But I said, thank you very much. I was going to make $5,000 a year. And he said, that's terrific. And I said, Thank you so much. He said, report on Monday morning to 1 Whitehall Street in New York and ask for Mr. Day. He's the manager. And I said, thank you. I left, went home, called my then fiancé and said, tell your dad I got a job. I'm starting in the bank on Monday. What are you going to do? I said, I haven't got a clue, <laughs> but it's a job. And so that was the beginning I guess I, in my first year, there wasn't anybody teaching any anybody at the time. And so I had a wonderful um, supervisor. And I just kept taking notes and taking notes. And I said to him at a point, um, do you mind if, if we try to write a book on how to be a general cage clerk? It's not going to be a fancy uh, prize-winning book. But if the customer comes to the window, you look down if they want a letter of credit. You look down, read what to do, take their money, give them the letter of credit, and figure out what to do with your supervisor after. And um, so I did that. Within a year, then they said, well, we'd like you to teach teller school. I said I was never a teller. They said, well, good, then we'll make you a teller. And I worked as a teller, then I taught teller school, then wound up being the head of training and development for Bankers Trust, which then led to my coming over to Newark at a bank which was called Fidelity Union Trust as the head of training and development. And it was in Newark that I had the good fortune and blessing to meet the man who's sitting right next to me, who was my counterpart at Public Service Electric and Gas. So that's how I got started and yeah. uh, got to meet Hal, and then I guess it was what, 1981? 1981, yes. That we both left and formed our own organization as direct competitors, but we've partnered for the last 30 or 40 years. What yeah. a beautiful partnership. Yeah. yeah. So you want to share with uh, the folks? Yeah, I have uh, some similar uh, experiences, I guess. <coughs> I was born and raised in Hudson County, New Jersey, and in North Bergen to be specific, and uh, went up through parochial grammar school, parochial high school, and then uh, when I finished school, my dream was to be in the auto repair business. I wanted to fix cars. I was a car nut at that time. So I got a job fixing cars down in Varley Motors in Hoboken, and um, met a number of customers that would come in. and. I was the new car repair person in the, in the shop. And uh, one of the fellows I met is a guy by the name of Joe McCabe. And Joe bought a new car in the 1957, I guess it was. And uh, he brought his car in to have it repaired. And Joe and I uh, 
hit it off because he also lived in North Bergen. And um, anyway, about six months after I got started there, I got laid off because I uh, didn't want to do what the shop wanted me to do. They, in those days when you bought a car, you got a thousand mile warranty. And uh, my job was to keep that car running for a thousand miles. And then after that, it was your baby, you know? So we had sold a car that needed power steering and uh, I ref they, said they didn't have it in the shop. So they said put a lot of air in the front tires, change the horn ring to it says Ford Master Guide Power Steering, and deliver the car. And when the guy brings it back, we'll change it to power steering. I said, no, no I'm not doing that. Uh, because if the guy never brings the car back, we just screwed him on, uh, on this deal. So I got laid off, <laughs> coincidentally, <laughs> for doing that, which was a good deal because Joe McCabe had a part-time job at the post office where my father worked, and one day he said, hey, I haven't seen Hal down in the Ford dealer. What's going on? He said, oh, he got laid off from that job. He said, well, tell him to go to public service in Jersey City because he's there looking for meter readers, and that's where he worked full-time. And he said, uh, maybe they'll have a job for him down there. So I went and got a job as a meter reader, read meters for about three years, got promoted. They told me they promoted me. They made me a bill collector. <laughs> but if they didn't tell me that was a promotion, I never acknowledged that running around shutting off people's gas and electric service a non-payment was an upgrade over meter reading. But I did that for a couple of years. And um, then... Uh, should I tell that story? Please tell that story. And, uh, That's such a great story. And I, <laughs> I was at a, a gathering one night at, at a bar where we were celebrating somebody's retirement. And my boss at the time, the manager of the Jersey City office, asked the question if anybody was interested in going on to college because the company had just started this new program called Tuition Aid. And I said, oh, sure, I'm willing. I'd like to go to college. And he said, look, in the summer, I want you to register at the school, come in, bring me your paperwork, and we'll get you set it up so that you get your reimbursement for your tuition. I said, oh, that's great. I'll do that. Well, the summer came and the summer went. I did nothing. I had a good time. That's what I did. And in September, I got a note in my little mail bin that said, see Mr. Van Cleef. He was the manager. So I went into his office thinking for sure that I was in trouble because some customer complained about me with their dog or something. I don't know. But then when I got in there, he said, no, there's no problem. He said, you told me you were going back to school, to college. And uh, he said, I didn't see your paperwork. I said, oh, Mr. Van Cleef, I didn't, summer came, summer went. I didn't uh, think of doing anything, so I didn't do it. But I'll do it next September. He said, no, you won't. You'll do it in January. You don't have to wait a whole year. I said, oh, okay, sure. Is there anything to get out of that office? So I left the office, and more time went by. I bought a new car. So now I'm sporting a new the Thunderbird. A new Thunderbird. A new Thunderbird. Got payments up to my chin, right, on my new Thunderbird. And January comes around, and I didn't do anything again. Mr. Van Cleef puts another note in my bin. Please see me. So I went into his office, but I was prepared this time because I had all these obligations 
and I had a good excuse for not going back, I thought, until I got in his office and he said, I didn't see your paperwork. What happened? I said, Mr. Van Cleef, I bought a new car. I don't have, I have the car payments. I can't afford to go to school. And he was a giant man. He really was. And he stood up behind his desk and he said, Snyder, you son of a gun, you can't afford not to go to school. Get your butt in school. Do you understand me? I said, yes, sir. <laughs> so I registered for St. Peter's College. Spent eight years going to school at night. Got my graduate. I graduated in 1968. Went on to Seton Hall University, where I went about halfway through my master's degree. And then my kids started to call me Uncle Daddy because I wasn't around very much and going to school and working and whatnot. And so I dropped out of that program, and I got about halfway to a master's. At public service, uh, I got when I was going to school, they put me through one of their management training programs. I got promoted several times. I started as a meter reader, wound up in 1981. I was the head of succession planning for the top 500 jobs in the company. Wow. So uh, I, was, I had a great job. I loved the job, and uh, things went very well. Then I decided I have to find out what I want to be when I grow up. And I knew I didn't, if I got promoted one more time at public service, I was going to do more things that I didn't like doing right. and less things that I enjoyed mm -hmm. doing. And I decided to resi resign. Well, I had three kids, a dog, a mortgage, all the stuff that people have at that. And I resigned from public service in 1981. Wow. When I met Mr. Pryor, Mr. Tech here. <laughs> and uh, we were competitors. And we, our competitors, retired as competitors. But what we would do is collaborate on a couple of different assignments when we thought that the client would benefit from both of our wow. inputs. So we would get get ourselves together. It was very confusing for a lot of customers yeah. when we would start and have our first meeting and they have two people come in who were handing two different business cards. Right. And But for the most part, uh, we got over that hurdle and uh, enjoyed working together. And uh, I think the clients benefited from that. And as far as the book goes... Yeah, let's talk about this really great, and I mean this with all respect and sincerity, this masterpiece. I have read so many books on sales. I am Xerox trained. I teach here at Seton Hall, uh -huh. and my colleague and I are working on our, our own book on sales. Right. But this... I, I guess the main thing that, that, that really jumps out at me is that it allows you to self-realize who you are, to, I, for you to look in the mirror and ask yourself, how can I be better? Yeah. Because you have the exercise at the end of each chapter. Yes. Yeah. So how did this book, this collaboration, come, come about amongst competitors? Oh, I think I got it started. Yeah. Because we used to have a lot of our uh, clients and the participants in our sales programs to say, is this stuff written down anywhere? And we used to say, no, it's not. This is it. You know, you got us. And I had public service, even though I resigned from there. They became a client of mine. So I spent 23 years as an employee and 25 years as a consultant. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and That's I had a two, two programs scheduled back-to-back -back in two weeks. And 
one of the things we were always vulnerable to is a change in plans at the corporate level. So what had happened was public service got into an austerity program, and I had two weeks scheduled to do programs for them, knowing full well that was not the smart thing to do, because if their financial situation changed, I was a dead duck. Well, it changed, and I was a dead duck. Okay. So here I am sitting at home. I got two weeks on my calendar with the eraser, taking off this. Uh, that, that financially, that's a big impact, you know, two weeks of seminars. I said, what am I going to do with my time? Everybody's talking about Dick and I writing a book. Let me cut the first draft and see. So I sat down at the computer, and for two weeks, on and off, I wrote off the top of my head what we did in seminars, what we learned from master performers, and whatnot. And I gave it to my sidekick here. He did some work with it. We sent it out to a number of other people who were in sales. What do you think of this? We got some feedback from them. Did a lot of work with them. Called on some special people to take a look at the manuscript that we had put in. And then we said, how do we get this to the market? You know. And um, we got some information from people that said, if you go to a book publisher, you're going to find you have to find one that's going to take your book. Then they're going to take it and they're going to rip it apart and they're going to do everything with it. We said, "Oh, the heck with it. We'll just self-publish." So we now, what year was that? Uh, Early nineties. You guys no, were like ninety and ninety-one, I bet. Wow, you were ahead of your time. Yeah, with well, self-publishing. Well, it was it was something that uh, when Hal, through some of his clients. Um, had the had the opportunity. When was it? 1993. You guys 93, were ahead of, you were ahead yeah. of your time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that uh, then Hal um, had it, the first copies made up in Canada, right? Yes. Yeah. The book was put together in Canada because, as you pointed out before, Darrell, uh, it's a good learning point. But if you take the book, we figured people are going to be writing in this. And if you write in a book with perfect binding, it's always tough to write in. So we got this book. Yes. Yes. Which has which a different binding. That is. It's just been out of binding. That is brilliant. Just so they could write right. in it, you know. And, and, uh, and it fits right in your pocket. And it fits in it's your pocket. It's almost like a day yeah. timer. Yeah. Or frankly, well, well, sales, yeah. salespeople will not read a book that's too long. They won't. They just. <laughs> yeah. You give them a 500 page book and they're going to throw it away. They're glossy. Okay? Like, oh. Yeah. It had to be written in segments. It had to have a soft cover mm -hmm. so they could stick it in their pocket right, right. or in their purse. Right. And, you know, for the women that were this out one. there. And uh, then a lot of our clients decided they needed this book. And uh, they would. We, how many copies we sell? We sell probably close to 30,000 without yeah. trying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, we sold it to all kinds <coughs> of industries. Yeah. Uh, and probably the, one of the most recent ones um, we sold to uh, uh, a health well it, it's the bank? Mercer um, not Mercer um, Howard Crafts organization um, he was having a, oh. a national sales meeting and he said, I need a copy for each of the people in my meeting. Beautiful. So we've sold them to banks. We've sold them to telecoms. 
We've sold them, I guess, all over the country. Yeah. And into India, we've actually had yeah. copies that uh, were requested from India. Yeah. One of the uh, uses of the book that people have, uh, some of the companies that we've sold it to, they bought a, number of a thousand copies oh. and they give it out to their customers. Because if you're a bank, for example, enter what the bank just bought all these books. Oh yes, um, uh, Lord, isn't that interesting? See, that's one of the uh, <laughs> one of the major disadvantages. Um, investors savings bank, right? Investors, investors right? They bought right a thousand of these, and what they were five thousand. Five thousand. Five thousand. Nice. And Very nice. what they did is they would give them out to their people and they'd sign compliments of investor savings. Because if you're a bank and your customer increases their business, they have additional need for services. So they would use them. Every every win-win. Win-win. It's a win-win. Totally win-win. 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 Yeah. I mean, a lot of times when you get a premium from someone, do you really get to use it? Right. Okay, umbrella, yeah, but sometimes you don't want to promote, you know, you got the, the bright colors and everything, but very practical, excellent. Yeah. Well, the thing, too, that we've used for years uh, is a concept of earning the right. Yeah. So that bankers, right. bankers who are trying to develop new business, you don't just do it. You have to earn the right to do it. And so the concept of giving somebody something even though they're not a customer is by our standards earning the right to maybe one day if their present relationship doesn't work <coughs> out they're going to think who are these people that cared enough about me when I didn't I wasn't a customer of theirs so that's who I'm going to think about and that's who yeah. I'm going to go with so it's it's worked out Magnificently over the last twenty yes. years, um, it's it's been fun because it's looking at things differently than most people. Um, we have some very fundamental um, thoughts and ideas that are into the book, yes. but also relating to the book. I happen to be very heavy from a relationship side. Hal is very process oriented, so when people would see us, they would wonder often, why is Hal palling and teaching with this guy who doesn't seem to know one thing from another other than how to tell stories and how to try to share basic... My son, uh, for 20 years, 25 years, uh, rose through some major corporations in some major... um, global leadership roles and he used to say my sisters and I are constantly trying to figure out what you do for a living we thank you for educating us and marrying us off and all of that but we don't know what you do and one day we're walking along the uh, uh, Jersey Shore uh, my son and I and he says I finally got it I said you finally got what He said, what you and Hal do for a living. And I said, are you going to share it? He said, after 25 years, yes. And it became my mantra. Um, And he said, you teach common sense in uncommon times. 
and I thought to myself, that's that's cool. That's exactly what I do. There's nothing rocket science about what I do, but together I think Hal and I have made contributions to multinationals for the last 20 or 30 years mm -hmm. that we've been blessed because they've they haven't hesitated sharing that with us over the years how fortunate they felt they were now ladies and gentlemen we are here with mr hal snyder mr dick pryor and they're the authors of the book it isn't difficult to be outstanding um this is part one because they're going to stay and we're going to do a part two because where this segment is just about over, but these pearls of wisdom that we're, that, that we're gathering here is just wonderful. And before we close out this session, I'd just like to, uh, we have, let me see, so we can gauge our time. All right, we have like uh, three minutes left. What are the characteristics of a great leader? Can I define what Please? I mean by leader? Absolutely. Uh, in business, they talk about there are two concepts in my mind. One is management and one is leadership. They are two very different processes. Management is a scientific, thoughtful, intellectual process of setting goals, allocating resources, guiding people through the process and analyzing results and then starting all over again. Okay? So it's a scientific process to achieve a particular result. Leadership in my mind, on the other hand, to take a lot of the hocus pocus out of it, is getting people to want to do things. Not because they have to do it or because the manager says they do it, but because they would like to do that. And that in that's, an in, that's not an intellectual process. That's an emotional process based on feelings and enthusiasm, excitement, and whatnot. And some of the most outstanding leaders, in my opinion, looking at that, are people who fit into the category of how they got people so excited about doing something or how somebody else had no leadership skills. Had a great. I worked for a guy who was probably a genius in scientific, uh, in, in the scientific aspects of managing the business, but I wouldn't follow this guy around the corner. He uh, he would if he didn't have his position power to exercise over me, I would have done nothing. Okay? On the other hand, I also had the privilege of working for a person who was the most outstanding leader that I had ever met in my life. His name was Ed Lenahan, and Ed. I would follow Ed anywhere. The way I would describe Ed, when you walk down the street with Ed, you're proud to be with him. I mean, he was just just a guy. I'd go into a meeting with him, and we would talk for a half hour. <laughs> We'd get out in the hallway and would say, what did Ed say? What does he want us to do? He's leaving it up to us. <laughs> and we'd go off and to the wall we'd go for this guy. But the other guy wouldn't follow him around the corner. So in terms of characteristics, the ability to empathize, to get people excited about things, um, that's, 
I don't know if that's what you're looking for. Well, no, it's not what, I, it's, it's, yeah, it's not what, it's I'm, what looking I'm looking for. for. Yeah, but uh, that, that, that's phenomenal. I mean, in terms of a definition. Oh, sure, absolutely. Yeah. And, and uh, Dick, uh, we have... Um, yeah, I, I pretty much feel yeah. the same way. It's, uh, I think it's something that is at times missing today. It's the individual's respect for the people around them demonstrating the respect for them such that you know if you brought for example the right people together they can do the job they know how to do it um, give them an opportunity to do it um, I used to think that uh, uh, you know just my telling somebody how to do it was nice but they probably had the intellectual capital sufficient enough to do it and do it probably better than I. Mm -hmm. So by providing an environment that said, I respect you as a professional, um, here's where we need to go, let's do it. And that, pretty much that's how I felt about it. That, that is excellent. And ladies and gentlemen, if you missed any part of this broadcast, it will be up on iTunes under iTunes U, Seton Hall University, Leadership with Darrell Gunter. We are here with Mr. Hal Schneider and Mr. Dick Pryor, authors of the great book, If It Isn't Difficult to Be Outstanding. Gentlemen, we're going to continue this in, in the next next week. I want to thank you for coming on the program. Well, thank you thank for you. having us. Thank you, Darrell, for having us. Fantastic. Uh, this is Darrell Gunter, your host for Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming on the net at WSOU.net. Have a great weekend, and remember, leadership begins with you. Have a great weekend.